0: Lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network, and now, LuchaCentral.com presents the business of the business.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Business of the Business, the only podcast that takes you inside the world of officially licensed products and how they get made with a special look into the world of professional wrestling and lucha libre. I am Kevin Kleinrock, president of Masked Republic, and I'm really excited about my guest this week because, you know, uh, in pop culture, There is a fairly well-known phrase that with great power comes great responsibility. And my guest this week, Joe Enriquez, uh, has a whole lot of power and uh, with it responsibility. The power is that he is the senior buyer of all of those pop culture t-shirts outside of music, that you find in Hot Topic stores. And while everybody listening might not really grasp the uh, power of Hot Topic, uh, for decades now it has been the one chain that really had its finger on the pulse of uh, both kind of youth culture and uh, that kind of uh Popular underground. I don't know, there's probably a much better term for it, but um, you know, it, it was where you could go to the mall and get your punk t shirts, your rock t shirts, your goth t shirts, uh, and accessories. And so, for me personally, it's been 13 years of trying to get one of my products into Hot Topic. It really started when I did Wrestling Society X for MTV, and we thought, this is it. This is going to be this great pop culture pro wrestling movement. And then the show didn't last long enough to get t-shirts in stores. And and since then, uh, and especially over the last uh, four years or so of we've, as we've really been building the licensing side of master Republic. it's been a, a journey to get ourselves to hot topic. And this past week we launched with hot topic.com with um, a, a, I think probably about two dozen designs. I know that the, the magic number right now is 164. Between all the different colorways and the men's uh, fits and women's fits, we've got 164 options right now up at hottopic.com where you can find Legends of Lucha Libre t shirts for Penta and Phoenix. Uh, for legends like Psychosis, who hasn't had a official shirt in stores since the WCW, the WWE era for him. And so we're really excited about that. But the buying for stores is actually completely separate than the website, and we're going to get into all that with Joe, uh, his background of how he even became the senior buyer for Hot Topic. And with Hot Topic being such an important part of uh, wrestling culture ever since the WWE shirt started, followed by New Japan, and we have the Underground in there for a bit, and then you have now AEW in there, and now finally Master Public. Uh, we're going to talk about how that all kind of came to be. There's a there's a rumor about how New Japan even broke through in the first place, and I asked Joe about that rumor and if that's the the case, and he actually tells me that's not the case, and shares the story of really behind uh, what happened to get the Bullet Club and New Japan into. Hot topic. So stick around and uh, actually, right now, without further ado, let's get to my interview with Joe Enriquez of Hot Topic. I am so excited for my guest this week. Um, Partially because he is somebody that I have wanted to talk to ever since I heard uh, an interview with him on the uh, PWT cast uh, last year or, or, or earlier. I don't know. This has been a very long year. It might have been. It might have been earlier this year. Um, but uh, somebody whose job, in particular, I have been fascinated with for a long time. Uh, with me right now is uh, Joe Enriquez of Hot Topic, and uh, is your official. Title I know it's buyer, but what is the, the official full title?
2: I'm the senior buyer for uh, novelty tees at Hot Topics. So that includes all the t-shirts except for band tees.
1: Got it. So, so
2: all the wrestling, TV shows, cartoons, movies, video games. Yes. My department.
1: And so, you know, many people who listen to this podcast uh, found it or discovered it because of the wrestling connection that we have and the you know so wrestling getting into hot topic and I, I don't want to jump too far ahead at first um because i want to talk about your road to this this career but uh i mean wrestling getting into hot topic was a huge moment for wrestling and any non wwe wrestling getting into hot topic since that has been really kind of momentous um and so you know it's to me this is this is um it's just kind of coincidental that we're talking this week but um as i mentioned to you right before we started recording i've been trying to break into hot topic for like 13 years now since my wrestling society x show on mtv that wasn't around long enough to have apparel in stores um but and for the last 10 years as we've built Mass Republic, and then over the last three years or so as we've been building the legends of lucha libre brand I, you know i've wanted to get that kind of foot in the door with hot topic um because one that's a place that wrestling fans go to for uh, official apparel and and uh to kind of see what no pun intended is the hot <laughs> the hot topic <laughs> um uh but but also just w- with the with lucha libre and the luchadors i feel like we're constantly struggling to make that point that the luchadors that we represent really are part of pop culture. And they really do deserve to be there next to the WWE and AEW and, and New Japan guys. And so the fact that this week we launched with uh, hottopic.com, uh, a dozen plus designs and that there's uh, you know a chance that later this year we'll, we'll maybe see some apparel in stores, super excited about. So thank you, Joe, for uh, <laughs> joining me today on the show.
2: Oh, no problem. You know, I've actually been following you for a while before, you know, I knew what else you've done outside of Mass Republic. I think I first heard you on uh, the fully posable podcast when you were first talking talk about the boss fight figures. Yes. And then obviously I heard you after that on uh, the PWT cast, which was my first podcast. And it's mind blowing to me that I did that podcast maybe, you know, over a year ago and. Since then, other podcasts like yourself have asked me to be on, which is crazy. Just being a fan of wrestling and wrestling podcasts, I never thought I'd be asked to do one podcast, let alone you know now uh, five. If you count the the two appearances I made on pro wrestling <laughs> this podcast, um, but well, you know, uh, uh, obviously, there's been wrestling merchandise at Hot Topic long before I was the buyer there, but um, and I've kind of. You know, that was always one of the things I wanted to get my hands on when I got into buying. I originally came from uh, the music buying department. I was actually uh, working in the CD department when we carried CDs. Um, But I always watched kind of what wrestling merchandise we we carried. And uh, I never actually... And and I've always kind of watched, you know, independent wrestling, which kind of ties us together. Because I, I was just telling you before we started how I was a big ECW fan. And then I discovered XPW, and being from Southern California... How, you know, how big that was for me. I never thought that there would be a time when Hot Topic carried wrestling outside of WWE. So, you know, fast forward to now and, you know, we're carrying Lucha Libre merchandise. We've done New Japan and, and AEW. It, you know, a, as a fan, mind blowing to me. And then just as far as, uh, you know, I guess career wise has been like kind of a highlight for something that I'm just have been so close to the of a kid kind of being now it's kind of highlighted as something that that hot topic is is known for carrying. Yeah,
1: and I think that you know we're we're in a really interesting time for the pro wrestling industry in general because while there's no denying that it's not as big as it was during the boom of the 90s, it's so much more accessible and there's so many more options for that fan and for that hardcore fan and you know in the 90s I think during that boom period you probably couldn't have really done sales wise, you know, much more than, you know, WWE and WCW in a hot topic. Um, but now we're in an era where New Japan, AEW, you know, our luchadores are are well enough known and have the fan bases enough that can be there to support these kind of retail efforts. Um, and so I think that that's, that's, uh, we're we're in a really cool time in terms of the accessibility and you know the support of the fandom, um, and that's obviously important for retail.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure you probably remember you know tape trading and and then now it's kind of mind blowing that now every every match every you know uh, it's all kind of at your fingertip tips through like some kind of streaming service. So I think that's definitely that and social media has definitely kind of changed. Uh, you know pro wrestling you know just how a lot of the storyline isn't even told on the the actual program it's like through like their youtube channels and that's kind of how you kind of get instead of having those little promo videos it's like whatever video that they've uploaded you know
1: (laughs) and and i think it's it's really interesting because yeah i mean so first off you know from where we sit at master public in terms of lucha libre it used to be that you had to you know maybe catch you know, AAA or CMLL at noon on Galavision on the weekends. And, and it wasn't super accessible necessarily if you weren't in certain markets. And, you know, now between um, AAA having all their shows on Twitch and then YouTube with uh, CMLL uh, doing some stuff on YouTube with the independent scene and, and people streaming, like you said, you know, you can... Like you said, tape trading, right? I mean, I, there was in the '90s, we were tr- literally sending away for videotapes, waiting for those videotapes to come. You know, getting on a message board and, and and talking about what was on that tape, but there was no easy way to access it. And so, as a television producer, while it's made it harder to make revenue <laughs> off of content, um, as a as a licensing, you know, executive, it has become easier to say more people globally know of our brand, know of our talents and, and things like that. So um, you know, it's kind of a, a six of one half a dozen the other in terms of building a, an overall business, um, you know, an, an entertainment company. Um, but let let's take a little step back. I don't want to get too far ahead. How did you even end up as a as a music buyer? What was your like what what was your background in terms of of jobs or career? Did you go to school for any particular uh you know subject or trade what how did you end up in the buying business
2: uh, well uh, I'll try to so it was kind, it was a, a long journey because I'm coming up on my uh, 20th year with hot topic this wow. year in october but originally i went I wanted to work in TV and film and one of the big things that influenced that was um, I thought that maybe that could be my foot in the door into wrestling right I'm like it's on TV every week. If I kind of could become a producer or a writer, or a director, that could be something I could do. And I remember watching, um, uh, Beyond the Mat. and There's a few seconds, I think, of Bret Hart wrestling on like, it's like films on, on like film and not like video. And, uh, I was like, you know, maybe I could do like movie, you know, I just had all these ideas. I've obviously had a big, huge like horror movie, all kinds of movies, but I thought maybe that that could be a way into wrestling. So I did. I went to, to film school and I, and I um, you know, eventually finished. I went to Cal State Fullerton. I didn't go to like you know like a fancy film school. Um, so I finished that and discovered how hard it is to get work in TV and film. I was doing a lot of internships, low or no pay. Um, so in the meantime, or actually while I was still uh, at school, I was working uh, unloading trucks at Big Five Sporting Goods in the morning, then going to class from I think. Twelve to three, and then I would go to the mall, and I would close that Hot Topic from like five thirty to ten. So after I was done with school, I still kept doing both jobs, and then um, eventually, um, I, I didn't have insurance at the time, and I didn't ha- I hadn't been to like a dentist in like <laughs> two years. So I was like, I need to find something with like like medical benefits. So I started looking at like opportunities at corporate at Hot Topic, and, and really the only thing that I had. Was qualified to do even you know with my uh, you know film degree was um, do uh, customer service for our website at the time, which was you know for that time, it was fairly small at the time. Now it's, it's huge, it's a huge part of our business, but it was very very early on in you know our .com, and uh, I was just a guy that picked up the customer service. You know, uh, and you know, when customer service people don't call to like say you're doing a great job. It's like <laughs> no, they it's don't. just like the complaint center so (laughs) I stuck with that but I I thought that maybe I could there was other things I just knew there's other jobs other roles in the company that that might be you know uh, a little bit more I guess lucrative and then from there I was able to get a position as a a merchandising clerical so that's kind of just like order entry Um, I'm just entering orders for, for buyers and that's kind of really how I got into buying I was you know um, around buyers, I was able to just kind of see the whole process and how it worked. And, uh, I had, um, uh, I kind of struck the friendship with the uh, music buyer at the time. Uh, his name was Jay Alberg, and he actually was a, a big wrestling fan and also did like some independent wrestling. Uh, oh, wow. So we kind of had that to bond over. Uh, and when a position kind of opened up in his department, which was CDs at the time, it, he was like the, uh, uh I think he was like the assistant or associate buyer. And then we had another buyer over us named Hanaro. Uh, and so they kind of brought me on as their kind of department clerical. So I just basically handled their orders. Uh, and then I was like, I'm on the path to being in the music business. I was around music people. Um, so I thought that maybe that was going to be... Actually, I was always a huge fan of metal. And and I think one of the reasons they brought me on because they needed someone that was... They were, I think each of them had their own area of expertise in music and I, and I thought maybe I could bring some, you know, knowledge of metal. But um, the funny thing is, the, the next position that kind of opened up that was upwards was in novelty tees, um, which is the department I'm in now and have been in for, uh, I think, over 10 years. And, you know, I was a big fan of, uh, I was a big you know, Star Wars comic book, video game nerd as well, and wrestling. Um, so I was able to kind of go from a merchandising clerical for CDs, and music, into the world of novelty tees, which is really where I got introduced into the world of licensing and studios, which was, you know, I was already kind of familiar with that system from being, you know, interested in film. Um, so from there, I became an assistant buyer onto associate buyer, a buyer, and then onto senior buyer. So that's kind of where my career has been since then. Um just working with different entertainment properties and uh and studios. And, you know, like I said, we had already had established uh, a relationship with WWE, so I was stoked that I was able to have some input in the the wrestling product that was carried at the time. And um eventually as the you know the senior buyer I was able to kind of make more connections and and that's kind of what uh, led to uh, you know, bringing in other wrestling companies and Actually, you know, we did uh, we did after WWE, we did some uh, TNA merchandise briefly. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers cool. that.
1: And again, and there was Lucha Underground stuff in there for a minute yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So well, so for so I love the story because I am definitely a huge fan of working your way up. You know, whether it's a corporate ladder or an industry ladder, but like. Somebody who gets in and just continues to grow and grow and grow. And so I think it's a really in- inspiring story. I think, especially because, and I don't know, I, when I say stuff like this, it makes me feel like old man, you know, shaking his fist at the cloud. But I feel like a lot of times these days, because we live in the internet age and because we live in the age of instant gratification, I don't see the same kind of hustle and patience of when I broke into the pro wrestling business or any industry, uh, to really kind of put in that work and to grow and build. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of expect to jump in somewhere. And so I always love a good, you know, put in the work, put in the blood, sweat and tears and and built, uh, you know, built up and learned and and and, and developed a, a rapport, a long rapport within a company. So I think that's awesome. Um, one of the questions that that I have based on what you were just saying right now so, in this buyer position that you're in, how much of it, you know, not just wrestling, but for all the different, um, you know, brands that you deal with and IP that you deal with, how much of it is looking at the offerings of a uh, of a distributor, or a licensor, or a, a, a licensee, um, and picking and selecting, and how much of it is you kind of telling people what you're looking for.
2: You know, I think that is the thing that kind of sets Hot Topic apart is, you know, um, there are actually quite a few buyers like myself who kind of came up through stores. um, And I think part of the secret to what's kept Hot Topic relevant is really kind of um, connect, like knowing what kind of putting yourself in the fans' shoes, you know, so, you know, while we do get presented a lot of things already done, and I think sometimes when a company has a good understanding of the property and, and our customer, then, you know, there is a certain amount of picking and there's also amount of us, you know, we have the benefit of seeing what's selling, what's not selling. So there is a lot of like, you know, maybe we should, you know, this type of print, this type of design is, is trending or doing well. So taking what they're showing us, whether it's just the, the raw assets and applying the trend to it or, um, kind of like looking for things that are a little bit more in the know, right? You know, I think one of the things uh, that we do, it's a little bit different is sometimes we have designs that don't necessarily scream the the name of the property on it. Sometimes it's just a very like in the know logo. Um, And, you know, you start to see that more now, but I remember when I I first started, it was kind of, uh, I'd shown one of the t-shirts I remember showing and you'll know this because, you know, we were talking about anime earlier was a Dragon Ball Z shirt where it was just an orange shirt with uh, Goku's logo yep, yep. on the front and back. And it was kind of like, well, what is that? You know, no one's going to buy an orange shirt, but at the time I, I kind of knew Dragon Ball Z was, was big and still big now it's kind of had several resurgences. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, a big part of it is really kind of like um, working with the, the studios or the licensor or even the licensee and kind of, giving them direction based on kind of what we're seeing. And one of the things we try to do is try to be where our customer is. And now it's hard now because obviously there's nothing going on, but, you know, we always have buyers at like at Comic-Con, at concerts, at, uh, you know, wrestling events. Um, So I would say it's at the very least it's 50-50, maybe even more so us giving some kind of direction uh, to kind of cater it to, you know, like the, the true fan or and we have definitely things that you know could probably appeal to the you know just the more mainstream fan but we do i think have those have that layer you know kind of beneath it of like you kind of really have to know the the property or the the characters to understand what this is
1: yeah and i think like for us that was one of the you know one of the parts of the opportunity to work with hot topic that i was really excited about not just you know finally breaking into hot topic but um (laughs) You know, knowing and understanding that you guys had a team of of artists and designers who knew what was working in the stores, and we were able to kind of say, "Okay, here's here's what we've got to work with." And you guys went through—not um, so you, but the team at Hot Topic went through and selected um, some of the designs that we had already had, um, and turned out to a lot of those were our kind of best-selling designs thus far that we've had in in, in just kind of direct to consumer. Uh, opportunities. Um, and then you guys came up with a number of designs that we would have never come up with on our own. Um, I like just having launched it just uh, online today as we're recording this, um, like psychosis, like psychosis is sure. Oh, yeah. Is just is a design that we wouldn't have come up with, but your team came up with it. We saw it. We're like, this is super cool. Sent it to Psychosis. He loved it, and it's got great response, uh, at least on social media today. I think in part because people have been clamoring for a Psychosis shirt um, nice. because he was, uh, you know, uh, he's still. I would say I would not say he's not relevant now, but he was certainly a big star of the of the nineteen nineties wrestling boom, and and really for a lot of people. In America, who came to know and appreciate Lucha Libre from the ECW, WCW, you know era? Uh, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera are the three, uh, you know, and Conan um, are the three that kind of and four that really, really made that happen. So, um, but yeah, just from from a design perspective, it's great. Um, And I think a lot of times, you know, my experience with license. Sees that we've signed apparel deals with that weren't retailers is that i feel like a lot of times people don't necessarily truly understand the lucha libre fan and they have an idea in mind kind of how to present it um but don't necessarily understand the fan and then they also don't have that retail um data and and experience and so these designs get created that aren't going to necessarily work. Um, I, I uh, It's funny to me that some we've had a number of different deals. And inevitably, other than the current deal that we're in with um, a company called Goody Two Sleeves, which is how we, we ended up with the, some of the shirts that are going to be coming to Hot Topic later this year. But some of the other deals that we were in before that, inevitably, we would get back from their designers designs that have what I call truck bed font (laughs) is like, um, that, that metal, uh, the metal, like the diamonds of like of a truck bed. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, I never understood why people felt like, Oh, it's, it's this Mexican Lucha Libre. Let's use this truck bed font. And I'm just, it was just so baffling to me that no matter what we would get stuff back with that. And I'm like, I don't think it appeals to our fan base. I don't really see that stuff selling in stores right now. So where is this coming from? So, um, it's been really great to work with uh, with, with your team on that stuff. Um, so I, I think, you know, once a brand can make that uh, transition into, okay, we've got ourselves into retail, a hot topic. Um, the hard part obviously is staying there. Yeah. So what is that Because pro- I, I think this is one thing that, especially like, again, I, I go back to the wrestling fan base because they're the ones that I've been in communication with for the last, three decades uh, almost or whatever it's been now um, a lot of times, you know, the fans don't necessarily think about that, you know, turnover in stores and, and, and uh, revenue per, per, per square foot and how much space you have and how many designs you can have. And, and all those types of things that you as the buyer need to take into consideration. So, and we will be right back to talk more with Joe about how decisions get made going into Hot Topic, what product from the wrestling world has made it to the shelves and why, and a whole lot more. But right now we're going to head over to Denise Salcedo in Lucha Central Central to tell us about all the other great podcasts on the network this week.
0: Sundays on the Lucha Central Facebook page, world-traveled shooter of the camera kind, Jerry Villagrana goes mano-a-mano with a fellow photographer to throw down about some of their favorite photos they have taken at Lucha Libre events. Monday, Business of the Business returns as Mass. Republic President Kevin Kleinrock takes you inside how your favorite Lucha Libre merchandise gets made. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2pm Pacific, 5pm Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's Wrestle Boss, where Favi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show, La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez, as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. If you easy feed and please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love for now this is denise salcedo signing off from lucha central central have a great week
1: when you're deciding to bring a brand um i guess let let me take a step back first obviously we're in a bit of a different era right now with the print on demand revolution right so with print on demand, it opens up Hot Topic and other other retailers to say, listen, we can test a bunch of designs through our website. We'll, we'll print them on demand, we'll sell them off the website. And that will maybe give us a sense of what we can then take t- into a store. Um, and so I guess let's talk maybe a little bit about the print on demand, hottopic.com side of it first. If you really, I know that's not your department directly, but I'm sure you have some insight.
2: Oh, yeah. In this world now, it's like, you know, we, you know, we've transitioned to the world of like, if you have to understand kind of the, that omni-channel e-com world, you know, because you know, like when I started, uh, you know, the, the e-com was, wasn't as big a portion of the business it is now. And I think going forward, it's just going to get bigger. And I think kind of what you're getting to is like the ultimate goal of like any brand or property is kind of like, I know that like, studios like disney and warner brothers this is like the magic word that just makes them their ears perk up is when you call something an evergreen property right evergreen property something that you sell 365 days a year it's not like a movie release related it's not seasonal you know um that's kind of the ultimate goal as as a consumer products department right like companies like i'll say the one thing about like companies like disney and warner brothers is at least uh, on the consumer product side they understand that um product is like the lifeblood of a property right star wars yeah right they they make a ton of money during the movie release but what about the other 365 days a year that movie you know is only gonna make a, a shit ton of money for that short period of time but you want to have like the toys and t-shirts and and how do you like kind of extend that brand and kind of to tie back with pod that kind of gives us the data you know and, and you know, right now, um, because of the the situation we're in, you know, obviously traffic isn't what it was. So, a, a lot of um, our sales are now translating into ecom, and um, and having and, and, it, and it's affecting like supply chain as far as blanks and printers. So, to have a way to get data on selling with no inventory liability, and to be able to see over time is interest in building in a property is it decreasing is it maintaining so if you see something on print on demand selling consistently week over week that's that's kind of like a a, you know that light bulb that this could be something that's sustainable in stores over a long period of time or is it something like you know we have a lot of like kind of halloween inspired designs which are on tod and are seeing a big spike now but inevitably you know after halloween those kind of spooky designs will, will go back down and uh and you have that data to know that like from previous years that like, this is kind of the time period we sell like Halloween related designs. And this is like where we sell like ugly Christmas sweater type Um you know, or for like, you know, for, for mass Republic, like, is it like, obviously for WWE, we see a spike around like uh, WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Are there things during the year, are there events around Lucha or mass Republic where we'll see a spike? And that's something we'll find out soon is it yeah. going to be a consistent sustained business or will it have like the peaks and valleys
1: yeah that makes yeah. sense and so obviously even with um pod capabilities there's only so many designs so many SKUs, so many brands that you guys can really take on at, at any time and yes granted it's probably you know 10 times 50 times whatever that might be what you guys can do in store but When you're looking to make a decision about what to bring in uh, for a POD test, essentially, what are some of the kind of key things that that you guys are considering um, to even give somebody an opportunity to test POD?
2: Well, I think uh, sometimes it's historical. You know, we have like, is it something that we've sold previously that maybe we haven't tried in a long time? Or is it something that is somehow connected to something else that's working for us? And you know, for Master Public, it's obviously because we've had a lot of success with with, with wrestling. But however, with you know, Master Public, there's so many luchadors, and and we know as in general, like that's not aside from Penta and Ray, who are the ones we're testing in brick and mortar because we know that they're the ones that are out there on AEW. We really don't know what the You know what the awareness is or what the demand is um but you know like if we find one psychosis that rolls out and and gets tested in stores and rolls out from you know 50 stores a 100 to the whole chain and then that's kind of what makes it worth it and with, with pod really like you're not making a ton of volume on one style it's the totality of it so like the studios that have like you know the a lot of designs but are selling you know Ten to twenty of each of those designs. There, that's inevitable. That's kind of like where the profit is. It's not that we're selling. It's rare that we're getting like one style selling like hundreds of units a week. Although there are, we have found some that just have gone up. That you know, have just like for whatever reason, whether it's a character or the design, have like sold instantly hundreds of units a week. But sometimes, for the most part, you know, in total, it's really about the the breadth as a licensor. You're you're making your money on the breadth of designs you put on you're hoping to put on eventually continue to build it, put up, you know, potentially hundreds of designs and sell like 10 to 20 of each of those designs week over week. And then the hope that something there pops up uh, or we see like a spike in interest somehow. And then we decide to take it to stores. And then that's where you really get the, the real volume. And also sometimes if we were seeing a consistent selling of like 30 or something a week, then we may decide to bring in the physical inventory because obviously the margin is better. Print on demand is great because there's no liability, but you know, doing a wholesale buy, yeah, you, you have better margin. That's the other thing is the buy we look at is like, what is the, what is the margin on it? Are we, we're selling a lot of but are we making money on this? Is it something that only sells when we promote it? Or is it something that because of what, uh, you know, a uh, high royalty or whatever that, um, we're better off selling, um, less of something else but at a higher margin rate
1: sure um uh, i've got so many questions in my head um <laughs> uh one of the things that's obviously changed right now with covid is the explosion of face masks and yeah. uh, everybody now needs a face mask you know legally <laughs> for the most part within whatever city they're in um and so you know for us we partnered with Pro Wrestling Revolution on this Lucha Masks.com site, um, where literally, Gabe Ramirez from from Pro Wrestling Revolution talked to his mask maker in Guadalajara, like days into like COVID starting, and and everyone starting to talk about masks, and they quickly like put out some some test basically masks of of made out of lucha mask material, and. Within a month, there was a brand new industry for him um, and for us of these really high end uh, masks. Uh, and by the time we kind of had that up and running, you know, then everybody had their their print on demand masks going. Um, from where you were sitting as a buyer, what did that whole thing look like, and how quickly did you realize this is something we're probably going to want to get into? And then, how do you start that whole new world of licensing on a whole new product that didn't exist five months ago?
2: Well, yeah, obviously, there was a scramble from, you know, all the the licensees we had worked with to all of a sudden, add or create this category, right? Because studios will sign someone for apparel, do it for accessories, and masks falls under accessories. So you had like accessories, people trying to add that to their contract, if it wasn't or having apparel people, because it's like a printable trying to you know have that added on and you know we really felt the the ripple effect in in t-shirts because like all these printers were now instead of you know printing you know our t-shirt orders getting these like ridiculously huge mask orders so then you know the production of tees slowed down um and even i think you know overseas you know because some of that is, is produced in china so you know our like hoodies and sweaters were, were getting delayed because they're the of sewing these masks um so that was really crazy to see like you said almost an entire uh industry just pop up overnight i'm like everyone's like we've got to license masks and, and of course licensors obviously they smell the money and they're like you know adding these uh these categories and and of course as a as a source like another category you can you know get a, a, a some kind of royalty or guarantee from is just you know To to them that, you know, it doesn't get any better than that.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I talk about often, not on this podcast, but in business meetings and and discussions, uh, especially when it comes to content, is with the exception of Stranger Things. It seems like we're still not really in a place, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you, this is the perfect question for you, we're not really in a place where brands that extend beyond the actual content are being established from streaming services. Uh, you're not getting these ginormous CPG and apparel types of brand building that, uh, from series that launch on Netflix or or Hulu, um, as you would from something launching on on Cartoon Network, say. Um, ha- have you seen that to be kind of the experience with retail? Um, and and if I'm wrong, definitely tell me. Um, I know that for some kids brands, we started to see toys and things in Target, um, uh, but I, I don't really feel like beyond Stranger Things, we've really seen. A streaming service launch a brand.
2: Yeah, you would be right in saying that Stranger Things is really the one that has bucked the trend, and obviously people saw that and it, it became this boom. Let's like try and license everything that that comes on Netflix or goes to streaming. Um, the the one thing I can't say about streaming is I do think, and, and you know, you know a little bit about this, is I think it has really kind of led to this even bigger explosion of anime as of recently. Anime's always been like kind of this. We've always carried anime. It's almost been like wrestling for us. It's like one of those things that only Hot Topic carried. We always had it. But, you know, things in, in licensing, as you know, it's like it, it kind of comes in waves. You know, they kind of, um, you know, they kind of rise and fall right now. And I think mostly due to, uh, you know, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, I think anime becoming accessible. And, you know, before anime, was like wrestling. You had to, like, tape trade. You had to, if yep. you were collecting them on VHS, you need a whole shelf to have all the robotech, you know. Uh, series where now it's like it's all at your fingertips. Um, so I think it has uh, created brands and, and uh, kind of made brands bigger in in the world of anime. But I have not seen yet something that's been as big as um, as Stranger Things. Obviously, you know, there's uh, Umbrella Academy, which we we just launched a collection that's doing really yeah. well. That but sense. that's kind of more of that was kind of a little bit more established as a you know through Gerard Way and, and the comics. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you'd be right to say that outside of, like, anime properties, there hasn't been that other huge, you know, um, kind of Stranger Things-type property.
1: Do you do you think that the print-on-demand side might allow for more testing with that? Or have you guys been taking Siri? Because I guess that's the other thing for the traditional, let's say the traditional television model, is you don't even start thinking about merchandising until season two because oh, exactly. yeah. my, my mtv series music, yeah. as an example uh you get canceled you know six weeks in or whatever and had you signed a toy deal or something you know the show would have been gone before the toy and it takes a year plus to make a toy um and, and one of the things that i've really noticed is that thanks to on-demand printing, um, and a lot of, you know, or even 3d printed, you you know, collectibles or this or that, it seems like the time to market and the risk that has to be taken has been so minimized that we are able to see that if something like stranger things, just as an example, um, if it's an overnight sensation with viewers, you can get merchandise to market so much quicker. That's why, you know, um, we're both very familiar with pro wrestling tees and 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 what they've done for the wrestling business in terms of um, print on demand and you know that that opportunity to go oh somebody said this thing on TV last night you know, Chris, I mean Chris Jericho right perfect example how many times I mean with, with Stone Cold Steve Austin it happened once Austin three sixteen and I mean that that changed the game right and the fact that they were able to get these three sixteen shirts out relatively quickly. Changed the entire wrestling merchandise business. Uh, but now that we've got this uh, print on demand era, it's almost like every week or every two weeks, there's this new Chris Jericho shirt that's selling through the roof because as soon as he does something or says something, it's on the shirt and people can get it and they can, you know, thousands and thousands of people can, can buy it right away. Um, are you seeing, or do you think we're going to see that opportunity for um, whether it's streaming series or, or anything else um, to kind of get that test opportunity a lot quicker,
2: I think so. Because you know, like you said, you know, I remember like for us, Adventure Time and Steven Universe were all were very big for us. Those are things that we had we waited a year. Like those shows were out a year, and we were getting customer requests, and stores were saying people are looking for it. But you know, Cartoon Network and, and like most other studios, they're not gonna, you know, with only one season, they're not gonna start producing toys because if it doesn't get renewed, then. You know you're you're kind of screwed. So I do think, and we are seeing it more and more. Studios are opening up, kind of like yourself, the print on demand, so we can get a read quickly. And then you know, print on demand, you also see like the, the you see whether interest is is it building or is it like spiking, and then the next week they're onto something else. And interestingly enough, I think while it's the the print on demand has been great for uh you know for, for pro wrestling piece, sometimes a little bit challenging for. For us, because sometimes we'll put something into stores, and then something else happens, and, and here's this shiny new shirt, and, yeah. and they've kind of moved on. So, you know, I, I think for us, it, it's helped in it's helped in more ways than it's hurt us. But there are those instances where it's like it kind of makes it, it kind of makes the lifespan sometimes a little bit shorter when you can have like instantly every single week a new catchphrase, a new design. Where I think WWE in the time I've worked with them are have been kind of planful, or at least they have in the past. Like, how long is this? guy gonna wear this shirt to the ring. Uh I know for John Cena because it had to have a hat and a like a wristband, like they had to really plan and although all those items have different kind of lead and production times. You have to be able to plan how long is he going to wear it. He's not just gonna wear it for a week, basically. He needs to wear it for like right. three, four months, at least a quarter for them to to maximize it. Where I think print on demand kind of throws a wrench in those types of of things. Sure. But it is great to like, you know, have Jericho say something and then Instantly have a, a T-shirt up of it. There's been like, uh, and not to like peel back the curtain a little bit, but there's been times where um, uh, I've been with the guys at Pro Wrestling Tees at events, and I see them on their phone already looking at the design, <laughs> ready to post before it happens. So it's like you can have it happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then obviously that worked uh, against WWE when I think one of their like a uh, Kofi Championship. Uh, print on demand designs went up before the match even yep. happened. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, and I think I think WWE shop ruined or spoiled the the carry and Cross win um last week as well but with an email. I think they I believe they then claimed that it was just a glimpse of what could be like, oh, you no. know, will this be the case? But it was a photo of him with the belt and it, it, yeah. it was uh, but I, but so, going back to that whole notion of, um, you know, being smart and thinking ahead, like, I thought that one of the most brilliant, uh, I don't know who came, I think, I think Ryan at PWT's told me that Jericho came up with it, but I don't remember. But when they did that, um, I forget what they called it, but the, the football field match. Uh,
2: oh, uh, Stampede. the, yeah, Stampede. the Stampede. Stampede. Yeah, Stadium Stampede. And
1: then they had Jericho's losing team inner circle team have all of their shirts that they had made as if they won. Just like when you have like your NFC, AFC, you know, football playoffs and there are people on the corners at gas stations ready to sell shirts. And then one team loses and they're like, crap, what are we going to do with all these shirts? Uh, I just thought that was the funniest thing. And that was such a smart way of merchandising something. I mean, especially within the wrestling business, there's so few things that have never been done everything's just you know how do we redo this angle or story or or piece of merchandise that's been done before um i thought that 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 idea was so was so creative and so great um there are there are definitely a couple more wrestling related things that i wanted to i wanted to talk about um i guess we'll we'll get into that so for a long time it was W. If you went into Hot Topic, it was WWE. If you wanted, if you're a wrestling fan, it was cool because you were able to go there and you were able to find, um, you know, sometimes designs you couldn't find other places. But certainly, it made it super accessible um, to go to the mall, go to Hot Topic, pick up a cool wrestling shirt. Um, and like you mentioned, at one point, you know there were maybe some Impact uh, t-shirts. Um, but then the game changed with this little faction called the Bullet Club. Uh, Now, urban legend is that, I'm guessing it wasn't you because you were obviously well aware, but that somebody high up at Hot Topic was at WrestleMania and saw all these Bullet Club shirts and went to WWE and said, we need this shirt. And they said, it's not ours. (laughs) And then that person said, we need to find this shirt. And then that's how New Japan got into Hot Topic. Can you confirm or clarify that urban legend?
2: I will say that uh, that is untrue because actually they named, I think they said it was our CEO that was at WrestleMania. Even though he has been to, he was at WrestleMania with us in San Jose, but not at the one in Orlando, which was uh, where that kind of started. Um, I I have no idea where that story came from. I mean, (laughs) Um, when I went to, uh, Orlando, I was like obviously already aware of Ring of Honor and Bullet Club. I just didn't know if it was something that would sell for us. I thought it was still pretty niche. And I was like, some, it's just something that I like, you know? Um, but I think when I went there and I was in the stadium and it was, and it sounds crazy, but it was like seeing more Bullet Club shirts than John Cena shirts. It looked like, you know, seeing the Austin 316 shirt during the Attitude era or like the yes. NWO shirt during, you know, the wcw uh that's how i was like that's kind of for me as a buyer was like you know one like i said one of things we do is like we go to where our fans are and we see what people's wearing and that's kind of where we like kind of go oh this is maybe we should carry this so i think once i saw there i saw that many people wearing it not just at mania but the whole weekend it's like you couldn't like throw a rock without hitting someone in like a bullet club shirt i was like we have to we have to at least try it um and being that I'd already ordered uh, a Kenny Omega shirt and a Bullet Club shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees, and I'd been listening to, you know, Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling and hearing all the the ads, I, I knew that like they were the, the people that at least had the, the, the license. Um, so I, I just kind of I didn't have really have any contact except for just the customer service. So I sent basically just an email introducing myself and saying that it was a buyer hot topic and I'm interested in bringing in. Bull Club shirts, it's a hot topic. Can you please direct me to to someone, uh, you know, there that can help me? And and that's when Ryan replied. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how how that happened. But actually kind of to also back up before that, um, one of the things that uh, we were able to work out with WWE um, kind of early on when I started, I took over that, uh, you know, buying was... um, being able to be the exclusive retailer for WWE authentic teas, mm. which is like, you know, the teas you see on TV and how uh, you can buy at uh, five minutes, which is something we still have today. We're still the only place that you can get the the shirts you see on TV. Like, you, there's all these other teas at Walmart and Target, Walmart at least, but uh, not the authentic teas.
1: These are the ones with the fancy patches on them on the side. They right?
2: did, but then they figured out that, like, <laughs> expensive yeah <laughs> so you know yeah they've gone to like no patches a lot of they still have some back prints every once in a while but you know the back yeah, the back print is awesome but i think you know it's like you're you're kind of doubling the cost so you're seeing some that not seeing as many tees with, with back back prints but um but yeah that's yeah. kind of how
1: so so bullet club gets in there it it does very well for you guys. Obviously, I mean, I don't have to work within Hot Topic to understand that it did very well. Um, and then it just kind of kept expanding from there. The Bullet Club members, the Kenny Omegas, the Young Bucks, people that are part of, you know, uh AEW now. Um a- and then they left uh to to do their own thing with AEW, which we'll we'll get to in a yeah. in a moment. Um uh and at some point there like we mentioned before there was uh, a few lucha underground shirts that that made it in what was you as the buyer what was your thought um in terms of bringing lucha underground in uh did you have high hopes for it did you did you think that it was going to be a long-term thing what what was the mindset going into bringing lucha underground into uh the hot topic stores
2: so i did think there was something there i think after bullet club work then it was like almost like the you know almost like a kid in the candy store now i could like try all these things and there's a chance but at the very least people aren't going to shoot down because it's like tied to something that is working right like kind of said it's like once you have something that works like how do we expand on it how do we you know make it bigger so um one of the things that i i remember kind of uh Making me think that there could be something there and we should do something was, um, the, uh, it was one of the season finales. It was the Vampiro Penta match. Yep. So that was just everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. this was like the, the thing that was like the, the big news. So that was kind of like what I thought what could be, what made me think there could be something there. Um, and at that time, for some reason we couldn't even, they didn't have Penta. There was no Penta design. So we did the logo. Um, we did Prince Puma because obviously he was kind of blowing up at the time. And I think we uh we may have done a couple other ones, but yeah. So that all kind of just spawned from, you know, like I said, kind of bullet club is working. What, what other things are there in wrestling that could, you know, that could possibly work? Um And they had a, I think they had a, obviously they were on uh, uh, Amazon. yeah. Ray. So they're on a network. So that was the other piece. And people were do, out there actively licensing L Ray network, you know, like the, so there was product being put in front of us. So I didn't really have to, you know, look as far as being kind of like, hey, I'll raise the things. Um, yeah,
1: that that makes sense. Um, ironically, at the end of season four tapings, we signed a deal to be the licensing agents for Lucha Underground. And then there was no more Lucha Underground. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, but... Um, obviously you know we we represent a lot of the stars of the show uh penta phoenix vampiro now um and so we're 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 looking forward to doing uh uh, there's still there's still people still clamor for that that lucha underground uh vibe and uh and the talent so looking forward to uh to doing more with that um so i guess kind of so i guess let's talk AEW for a minute so at what point <laughs> was, was this, you know, uh, super, super early because you had an inside track or at what point did you know AEW was going to be a thing? And did you say, okay, day one, as soon as we can, we need the AEW stuff in here in Hot Topic.
2: Yeah. So like they did let me know pretty early on that they were making that, um, that they were, working on something I didn't they didn't even have a name for it yet um so I knew that they were working on something new um so I like to think I was like kind of one of the the first people definitely we had to have been the first retailer to know because we were the only ones working with them but there was that transition period of like um you know the transition from New Japan Bullet Club to AEW and kind of when it kind of broke that they were moving away from New Japan. I think there's a period where I was kinda of like uh, Jericho with a truck of like teas that were printed. <laughs> so there had to be you know and that happens in retail all the time. You know, it's like things you you go hard and you kind of uh, basically you try and sell something until it's not selling more. It's like you have to kinda of jump on the wave when it's when it's rising and then somehow know when to jump off before the the wave crashes. And I think in that transition, you know, obviously we still had quite a bit of uh, Bullet Club merchandise, which, you know, since then, we, we've sold through. But, um, you know, I knew right—I knew when they started telling me that they were doing something, that there, there could be something there. And I let them know right away that we wanted to obviously be the, the exclusive launch partner. Uh, and at the time, I don't think I would have assumed there wasn't, like, a, a, a ton of other retailers probably, you know, bidding for it. Um, now, obviously, there's toys in Walmart. Um, uh, I'm sure there's, I'm sure they'll, you know, it's, you know, uh, once they see the sun on toys, they'll be like, you know, they'll see other categories just like us. Right. You know, you always right. go something works, top topic, we have the t-shirts and all of a sudden it's like, there's Funko pops and backpacks and hats and, and everything, um, you know, you could, you could think of. So I think pretty early on, you know, at least in, in my mind, I knew that this, could be and probably would be something big that we want to be involved with and, and let them know that like whenever you guys are ready um you know let us know
1: cool well and, i mean like, it's one of those things that just seems to make sense for everybody right um you're not going to get a better retail probably launch partner for that for this space than uh, than hot topic and um you know i think it was fairly obvious that uh they were going to They're going to be uh, bigger than everybody else It wasn't WWE from the beginning. So it's been really great to see them uh, be as successful as they've been. And, um, you know, we, you know, we sit in a super unique position because we started Legends of Lucha Libre, which is essentially the players association for for luchadors Um, and it's never really been done in wrestling before. You don't. You don't generally have an opportunity to sign with a wrestling company, but also have your IP managed by somebody else who can um, bring you licensing deals. And 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 you know, I, I've said it before. You know, thankfully, I think because AEW's management is also an NFL team's management, the the model of um, saying you know we're going to go and we're going to continue to merchandise Penton Phoenix. Uh, obviously, we won't use the AEW name. We won't use, you know, anything that that's, uh, you know, specific. Uh, but just like when, you know, chalk line or somebody does a a jacket of a Dallas Cowboy um, and doesn't mention Dallas Cowboys, but has the star and the colors and, you know, right. the 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 player themselves, maybe their number. Um, so, you know, we we've we're I'm really proud that we've created this kind of best of both worlds that really treats wrestlers and luchadors as athletes um and gives them these opportunities that that haven't been there before so it's it's great and exciting that you know penton phoenix have had and will probably continue to have other you know aew merchandise in hot topic um but at the same time we're going to be able to you know have all these uh print on demand uh, opportunities and then as you mentioned um later this year in store we'll have a penta shirt and a phoenix shirt and a, and a lucha brother shirt to to see um how that how that goes so um yeah we're we're, we're super excited about this uh this relationship and uh, the opportunities there and like i said this is thirteen years of me trying to <laughs> trying to get into hot topics, so uh, I'm I'm very excited about that. I also I I absolutely cannot let you go until we at least talk about uh, the first photo I ever saw of you, which was <laughs> as I was listening to your PWT cast uh, interview, and it got brought up that you were on the Jericho in a Penta Zero M uh, Halloween costume, and then I jumped on your uh, you I found your Instagram and I was like, holy crap. That that's uh, that's a guy that I definitely need to, <laughs> to talk to and, and and be friends with. Um, so, I guess uh, not the buyer side of Joe, but just yeah. the the fandom side of Joe. Like, what is it for you that attracts you to you know wrestlers that you become fans of and that you would actually go out of your way to buy merchandise of?
2: Um, uh, I, I think you know. For me, wrestling like it's so much like superheroes. Like I'm uh drawn to the wrestlers who's like I kind of want to be like right when I throw on like right now I'm wearing a Lucha Bro shirt. You know, obviously like Penta has a he's a so one from a pro wrestling tease. Yes, uh, obviously he's like he's almost like kind of like like the Undertaker of you know Luchadors. He's got he's very iconic and um, you know he's got the catchphrases and uh.
1: By the uh, way, yeah. The uh, Undertaker of Loots Yours is now going to go on all my marketing materials for uh, for, <laughs> for for trying to sell into retailers. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, kind of, I think that's what, for uh, Penta, kind of attracts him. But, you know, for other, you know, it's like, there was a time where I wanted to be Shawn Michaels. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Macho Man Randy Savage. So the wrestlers that kind of embody the qualities that I would like to have is kind of like, you know, I remember actually when I first uh, became a fan of Jericho he was and, and knowing he was in the metal, I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to be, you know, he's a guy that I would want to be like, even now I want to be. I'd love to be like Jericho.
1: <laughs> I, I cannot say enough good about Chris Jericho, especially this week. Uh, yeah, that is a, that is a, a, uh, I would call him a renaissance man when I was ex- describing him uh, earlier today. Uh, you know, actor, musician, wrestler, cool guy. Uh, just super good human being and a super you know heart of gold. Like that's a guy that I would I would you know like to you know have an opportunity to be yes for sure. Oh,
2: and then I guess to explain the costume on the cruise was uh, you know I brought my girlfriend on and there's like the you know dressed up as a wrestler night and around that time was around when uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker came out and if you remember the last scene where Ray was like you know my name is Ray Ray Skywalker and then all the memes of like. People took out uh, kind of superimposing Mysterio's mask, and she was yeah. saying, My name is Ray, Ray Mysterio. So, the original plan was to, uh, uh, my girlfriend was going to be Ray Mysterio, so have the bottom of uh, Ray from Star Wars' costume and then a Mysterio mask. And then I was at the gym, and I just had this uh, uh, kind of epiphany. I was like, Wait a minute, she <laughs> could be Ray Phoenix, but uh, the one snag was, there was no Ray Phoenix mask. So if you actually look at it, she's not wearing a Ray Phoenix mask. It's uh, uh, uh what's the name from Lucha house party? Uh, Calisto. Calisto. Yes. So it, it kind of looked close enough and to kind of um, create that association. I had to be Penta. <laughs> so that's why I went on, on Amazon and I ordered that, uh, that uh, Penta costume. Oh, and of course I got the, uh, the contacts and I got the mechan- the yellow mechanic gloves to kind of, you know, look like his gloves and, Uh, end up being a a pretty big hit (laughs) yeah that's uh absolutely great and i was like okay he's a hot
1: topic buyer he's dressed as penta from a costume he obviously bought because i didn't know him and i didn't send him a comp so yeah we uh we we need to we need to talk we need to uh uh we need to uh, we would be friends outside of uh you know business so let's uh see what it's all about
2: the other layer to that costume was, it was actually, my costume was really, it was Jericho as Penta because uh,
1: mm-hmm. underneath
2: I wore the Judah shirt and I had the, you know, the smeared makeup when I took off the mask. So if you look, I also post a video of when I do the unmasking or remove the mask and yeah. I take <laughs> off the top and it's the Jericho Judah shirt. So it was kind of like a, a double <laughs>
1: costume. Fantastic. Yeah, I hope to uh, I hope to be able to make one of the Jericho cruises one of these days. It looked like a whole lot of fun um that left that first one that i think was over halloween and i was yep. like i yeah you take my kids for halloween and then obviously uh and the second one didn't work out timing wise the third one is obviously postponed but uh uh yeah i, I hopefully one day we'll we'll make that jericho cruise i did see jericho uh, fozzy in concert here in san francisco and that was oh, nice. that was a great uh great experience so um well cool well my last question um You know, a lot of people, I think, that listen to this show uh, either have brands because they come from the the licensing side of listening to this show, or uh, they're trying to build their kind of dream of success in the wrestling business. Um, so as, as the buyer or the lead senior buyer, um, what kind of advice do you have for somebody trying to build wrestling or otherwise, um, an attractive offering for a, a, a consumer products or, or apparel program with a, a chain like Hot Topic?
2: I think whatever type of a brand you're trying to, to put out there, it's actually, this is like, I do get asked this question a lot is you need to decide who, who do you want to be. Wearing this brand, and you have to get it on them somehow. One, I think, a good example of a brand that we carry that has been successful is is Blackcraft. Obviously, they have a very distinct look. Yeah. They know who their customer is. It's actually, you know, there's you know, there's wrestling fans like it, Goth people, uh, people who are you know just into like metal fans. Um, and I think they did a good, they've done a good job of. Uh, the the bands they put it on the wrestlers they put it on i mean they've got they've gotten their stuff on 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 rollins and they had it like uh, uh corbin was wearing it and they've got uh, alistair black wearing it so whatever you want your brand to be or like a, another example is like tap out right tap out wanted to be a brand about mma they got their stuff on mma people or, or even affliction back in the day Sure. Um, so find out who you want this brand to be for, find out where they are or who the, are the people in that space that are, you know, are the that people are influenced by and, and get it on them somehow. Um, ultimately, like for a retailer, if they've never seen or heard of your brand, you know, 99% of the time, they're probably not gonna, not gonna bring it in. So you have to get, you have to get the brand out there. So the retailer sees it. Like I think most of the brands, we brought in or licenses or properties because we're out there and we see it, you know, we go to anime expo and we see a certain anime that everyone's wearing that we don't carry. Then that's kind of like our signal. Like we should bring this in or bullet club, right? If you want people to wear bullet club shirts, get it on wrestling fans at WrestleMania. Yeah. So that would be my advice is find out who you want this brand to be for, get it on those people and and find out, you know, the retailers that it makes sense for. Cause we also get hot topic. It's pitched brands that, that aren't really, you know, related to to music, pop culture. I mean, they're good looking brands maybe, but you know, probably not our our demo. So no, know, know your demo, know your kind of audience and, and get it on them, find out where they are and be there as well.
1: Great, well, I sincerely appreciate your time, Joe. Uh, it was great to kind of get, you know, this is insight I would have loved myself it's- any time in my career up until about six months ago when we started working with Hot Topic. Um, so I hope that some people were able to get, uh, you know, even just as a fan, the insight into the decisions and how, you know, why my my favorite wrestler might not be in Hot Topic or what might happen to, you know, the decisions that get made behind bringing in the shirts that, that, that got in there. Um, you know, and, and beyond that, just kind of an understanding of, where the retail space exists today. Um, so I thank you very much for your time. Um, you have mentioned your social media. So do you want to share with, uh, with the people listening how they can find uh, metal Joe
2: on, uh, on social media? Yep. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at metal Joe rules. Uh, you'll see pictures uh, mostly right now of my cat until, uh, I can go out and, and do cool things and go to wrestling. <laughs> I had a lot of wrestling stuff on there too, but I mean, there haven't been any wrestling to go to. So right now, mostly just uh, pictures of my cat. <laughs> hey, you
1: know what? It's uh, it's better it's better than a lot of uh, other accounts, I'm sure. So go check out Joe's Cats at uh, Metal Joe Rules, R-U-L-E-S. And uh, again, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to uh, seeing what's next for Legends of Lucha Libre and uh, and Hot Topic.
2: Me too. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: And I want to thank Joe once again for joining us and providing us with some incredible insights into how your favorite wrestling brands end up in the pop culture center of the universe that is Hot Topic. Join me again in two weeks where my guest will be none other than Super 7's TJ Shevlin. We're going to talk about The very first Legends of Lucha Libre action figures that came out a couple years back with Super 7, the Legends of Lucha Libre reaction figures. And we're going to hear from TJ, who is in charge of the brand new New Japan Pro Wrestling figures coming out very soon from Super 7 as well. But TJ has an incredible uh, fandom to share of action figures and comic books and pro wrestling. And I can't wait to talk to him next time on the show. And until then, enjoy the other Lucha Central Podcast Network series. And everybody, stay safe out there. Take care.
0: If you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's time to do it.